Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Y'all ready for this? Razorback Nation, welcome to episode number 28 of the Hog Talk podcast. This is your host, Jacob Davis, my co-host in Springdale, Ty Hudson. How's it going, Ty? Uh, not too bad. A little wet. We're, we're flooding up here in the NWA, but other than that, I think we're, we're, we're A-OK. Yeah, we ran into a little bit of weather yesterday after the autograph sesh inside of the Walker Pavilion. I mean, it, it started pouring down, but once we got out of there, it stopped raining and but man, y'all are y'all are getting torrential downpours, and it's it's bad. We yeah. we'll be thinking of you guys up there. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I was yeah. I was on I was late getting up there to the uh, to to Barnhill to catch the red white. You know, uh, the thing that we've all been looking forward to since they announced it. Really cool ordeal there. But uh, so I'm hauling hauling rear, getting there right, going through Springdale and Fayetteville, right, and then without right. even for some reason, all I'm thinking about is the red white scrimmage itself, not where they're playing it at. So I parked on the far side, like close to Sixth Street, or for you know, for everyone who's, who who knows, Sixth Street was MLK now, or or you know, the MLK side of, of the parking lot is where I was right. at. So I'm I'm having to walk uphill on my way there, whatever. I need to walk. I need to get out more. Totally, 100. On the way back. I've got the calendar. I've got the little depth chart sheet they gave us. And I'm no more than about 400 feet away from my car. And I can see the clouds are coming. I can see, I, I know it. I can smell it in the air. It's about to just pour. And, of course, of course, <laughs> right before I get to my car, it just absolutely pours all over me. It's, it's uh, it was, I was, I mean, you know, it could have been worse. I guess it could have started right as I left the stadium and then rained on me the entire way back to the car. But, uh, yeah, I was, it got my calendar or my, uh, my poster all wet and the roster wet. And I'm like, man, I really wanted to hang that stuff up and put it on display for the, for the, uh, live YouTube shows that we do right on the picture on network YouTube channel. But now they're all, they're all crinkly and it's like, I don't know. So I'll send you one. <laughs> I have an extra. <laughs> Thanks. They Thank said you. they said they they said it'd be you get you'd get a free poster and a free roster the first ten thousand five hundred people that were there. I took two. I don't think it was ten thousand five hundred in there, but man, that place it was almost packed to the top risers on all four sides of the of the arena. It was a really good crowd. Yeah. Uh, fans were into it. And Connor Vanover, we'll talk about him first. That guy looked like a flat out baller. He's seven three, yes, and he's they have him listed as two hundred thirty pounds. Yeah, two hundred thirty pounds. He looked really good. I was surprised because he's come a long way in the past six months since he left Cal to come back home. Mm-hmm. He he looked really good. He was a he got the first nine points of the ball game for for his team. Was it team team Eddie? Uh, yeah, he was on. He was in the red at first, the team Eddie, and then they switched it at half. He looked phenomenal. I mean. I don't want to say phenomenal. He looked good yesterday, and uh, he would be a big key piece if he is able to be eligible for this coming season. Yeah, I you know 
again, I was a little late getting up there because I I was you know hauling hauling my hauling my butt all up and down Fayetteville and and uh, parked on the wrong side on the wrong stadium. <laughs> but by the time I got in there, you know, and and, and got a chance to kind of watch him play, he 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 definitely he's a shooter, man. He's got a nice little yeah. Yeah, nice, nice technique, nice form. He's all, it's all in the wrist, baby, and he makes it happen. Right. Um, he could shoot right. outside, and I wonder too. I don't know what his free throw shooting percentage was at Cal, but uh, I, I think someone had told me they thought he shot north of like eighty percent behind the free throw line. Man, I'm gonna take that from a, from a seven foot three, two hundred thirty pound center, or whatever they're gonna play him. You know, the four, or the five, whatever. For someone to have to, to have that beautiful of a shot, you know, you got to expect him to do well at the free throw line. So it's going to be nice to have that. He's he's kind of a two for one punch. Yeah, he was according to Sports Reference, he had a forty seven percent field goal percentage and shot sixty six percent from the free throw line. Okay, sixty six. Okay, yeah. well that's pretty far away from eighty. But <laughs> that's do still... you know how hard it is to shoot a free throw at seven foot three? I don't know how hard it is because I'm only five eleven, mm-hmm. but. You've seen big men struggle for a long time, but I guarantee you Shaq couldn't shoot 49% uh, from the field at all. No. No. And and that's what Vanover does. He can actually, bizarrely enough, he can he can stretch the court. Yeah. You know, when you've got someone who could who can play inside, I wish he was a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. Uh, what film I have seen on him, whether it was high school or his little bit of time at his previous school, and then obviously this, I wish he played a little bit more aggressive inside, you know, but he's, he doesn't have to all the time and he will, yeah. he will try to attack the boards a little bit and go after the rebound. But yeah. anybody who's that size and can shoot, yeah. you know, that far out is, uh, that's a nice weapon to have in your arsenal. Yeah. Before I really started following Connor Vanover, I'd look at maybe Hogville because, I mean, Poor man, but I don't want to pay nine ninety nine for a, uh, a subscription, you know, for for a pay board or anything. But you know, I'll follow Hogville, and people hated on Connor Vanover, and they people wanted him just straight because of his height coming out of high school at Baptist was it Baptist Prep, and then he transferred out to California for one season uh, to play prep ball there, and that's why he ended up at Cal. But you know, people hated on him just because, oh, he just has size. He has nothing else. This guy has formed in his two years, year and a half in college. He has turned himself into a pretty good ball player. And I'm looking forward. If he can get eligible for this coming season, it would be it would pay huge dividends. Because right now, uh, down low, you have Ethan Henderson and Jimmy Wett. And to an, uh, or not Jimmy Wett, Ethan Henderson and Reggie Chaney. And maybe Gene Tosilla, if he has to be forced to play down in the four spot. Yeah. That's all they have. And I mean, they have Adam Omai, Eola. I mean, he's, but he's going to have to sit out too because he transferred in. So, I mean, yeah. you're, you're going to have to, and Adriel Bailey, let's not forget him. He looked impressive too. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I, Vanover to me was the guy that I think stood out the most, but I also was probably watching him more than anybody else yeah. on the court. But Isaiah Joe, of course, looked like Isaiah Joe. Um, Desi Seals, like, you know what I noticed though that I hadn't really seen in the Anderson years was that more than one guy tried to drive the lane. Yeah. Yeah. They tried that's... to play aggressive and tried to move inside. And I, I was, I was nice to see that. It's not that they did it a lot, but it was more than yeah. one or two people that tried. It was actually, a, yeah. you know, several of them that wanted to drive the lane. Maybe that had something to do with, 
you know, familiarity with one another and, and, you know, come game time. I don't know if that's, that that's going to be a thing, but in past years under Mike, it was like, you only ever really felt like one, maybe two at the most three guys were willing to actually try and drive the lane and actually do anything with it. And I think, I think you're going to have those options this year. You're going to be able to do a little bit more of that with, uh, with Musselman's system and how aggressive they are. Yeah. Uh, Back to Conover, uh, Connor Vanover for a second. He had 15, 12, 15, 12, 8, 6, 4, 18, 10, 24, and 8 uh, down the stretch for the Cal Bears last season. So that was conference play. Those are big, uh, big Pac 12 numbers there. So they got, uh, he they, played he's got to be minutes. made eligible. And, and I know that like it's still too far out for us to talk about our projections, but, and I say this all the time on my live streams when people ask, are they going to make a tournament? I think their best chance at making a tournament. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they buy into Muscleman's system 100% and they mesh well together. Um, but they have to have, in my opinion, they got to have Connor Vanover out there. He's yeah. got to be made eligible, I think, for them to have a, yeah. a legit shot. That's just based on what little, little bit that we've seen. I hope I'm wrong. Again, you've got Isaiah Joe. They've got Scylla, the, uh, the transfer, well, number of transfers. But I think he's going to be the only one that's made eligible, I, I think. Um, cause he's a graduate transfer, but they've got some talent. It's just, I, I'm a little bit yeah. concerned about their size and, and, you know, and their yeah. number of players. Yeah. Well, they also had that concern there. Must's first year at Nevada. They didn't, they didn't have much size, but he schemed well. That's a, that's a good thing. I mean, yeah, it's Mountain West yeah. conference ball, but I mean, he made it, he made it deep. And I think they ended up winning the college basketball invitational that year. I think it was. Uh, after, yeah, think. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they they had a pretty impressive first year uh, coming in. I mean, that was a team that won nine, eight or nine games the year before. Yeah. So he came in and and really changed the culture there at Nevada very he fast. Did. And, and, and it's it's so good yeah. to see that. You know, it's good to have yeah. that with with yeah. uh, with Musselman being able to see him do that at, at somewhere like Nevada. You hope he can. You hope yeah. that he can do that here. You just hope it's not a Stan Heath. I mean, Stan Heath was a one hit wonder at Kent State, <laughs> but. But I think Eric Musselman, he has a proven pedigree, was a former NBA coach of the year. Uh, I think was it with the Golden State Warriors back in the early 2000s. So he has a pedigree. I mean, his father was a legendary NBA coach. Yeah. So he he has a pedigree and knows what he's doing, knows how to market. I mean, marketing and trying to get butts in the seats for a red-white game inside Barnhill Arena, incredible. I mean, he he knows how to get butts in the seats. But now now you have to win. What did you think of them doing that at 3 p.m.? I saw where Nikki Chavanel said that that was a bad idea. I, I, th- I think she's right. I think that should have been like a 6, 6.30 kind of thing. What do you think? It didn't really matter to me. I got there at 10 o'clock. <laughs> I was first in line for – Well, I mean, but, I, I know, but like for the energy of the stadium, it just felt like such a middle-of-the-day – I don't know. Like I, you and I were talking a little bit about that before we started recording. The energy – I mean, it's not like the yeah. – the, the place didn't blow up. It's not like it didn't have its moments, but it's just yeah. felt kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, we're here. Had it been something at night, I don't know. Maybe that would have made a difference or not, but I'm, I'm with Nikki on that. I think that probably should have been a yeah. later game. Yeah, I think you could put it at any time, and it done well. There was plenty of fans there. Uh, filled, not filled to the brim, but filled, filled the seats pretty well. Did you see uh, – they were using little clickers, little hand clickers, to count people coming in and out of the out of the stadium. No, I didn't see that. No, I didn't. <laughs> they were doing that up top, and really, I was like, "Well, how do you?" So, like, I was going in and out of the stadium, and and, and like, I was like, "So, do you 
do, do you negative click that? Like, how do you how do you handle that? Because <laughs> they don't know if I'm going back in. I went around the other right. side of the building. Right. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the official number was. I definitely don't. It was nowhere near capacity. Maybe I would say more than half. I don't know if we ever saw an official number, but that place was pretty full. Um, I would but, say at least maybe seven, seven and a half. I think so. That many? Uh, it was pretty full on uh, my side. I mean, and then the two sides uh, uh, behind the goal, and then the side you were sitting on was pretty full too. It got about halfway up the bleachers, I think. So yeah, it was definitely it was probably more than halfway up. Now they yeah. roped off the uh, the very top. Nobody could go to the very okay. top. Yeah, that was all the way around the stadium. I yeah. noticed that. Yeah, and and then this the uh, behind the uh, the goal, you had the band on one side, and then on the opposite side they had that hole like you couldn't sit there because of the screen. Really? Okay. So, yeah, yeah, I noticed that. I did notice that. Um, back on the topic though of of driving the lane, I, I just thought of it. You do you do remember uh, during the off season that the NCAA changed the dimensions of the three point line? You did see that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's gonna make it's gonna give you a few more opportunities to drive the ball. I think that's that's really what's gonna open up the offense for the space and pace style that Musk wants to implement. I'm really looking forward to seeing what that'll do, especially yeah, with only having too. four four guards in a in a Ford down there. If they do that, if they run that, you know, again, that was something else you and I were talking about. Musselman supposedly is flirting with the idea of going with four guards. I think they've got the shooters, you know, outside of Isaiah Joe. I know there's probably some questions, but if if let's say now Vanover's not going to play outside, but you're going to have him stretch the court. You're going to have Isaiah uh, Joe stretch the court. You've got a couple other options. It's gonna be interesting to see, like you said, how they how they prepare and how they game plan for that. Yeah, I always like Mason Jones. He's a guy that's an inside outside option. Uh, he he can dribble, drive, and finish. He finishes not as well as a guy like Jalen Barford, but he can finish. He he's long enough to be able to get to the rim and 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 play well. And then he has a good shot from the outside. He he was a guy that if it wasn't for him in a couple of games last season, Arkansas wouldn't have even been in games at all. They they were so stagnant on offense. Yeah. So let's not forget about him. He I think he's him and Isaiah Joe are one A and one B when it comes to best players on the team. I think you're probably right. Yeah. And now if someone else comes in and maybe proves us wrong, maybe there's someone that comes in and, and takes over. I don't know. That could happen. I was gonna say I completely forgot they have Little Rock. Uh, coming into town at Bud Walton on October 20th for their next exhibition game at 3 p.m. So oh, that'll I forgot be, about that. Yeah, that. They, they've got Little Rock, and they've got Southwest Oklahoma State uh, five days later on the 25th. That's actually scheduled also at Bud Walton, but at 7 p.m. I'm going to try to make all uh, yeah. both of those. So, and then you start you start the regular season November fifth on a Tuesday against Rice at Bud Walton, and yeah. uh, they they get into conference play, of course, with A and M January fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, yeah, Saturday at Bud Walton, January fourth against A and M at six p.m. That's when you'll start conference play. And then you have TCU coming in to town January twenty fifth. That's yeah. going to be interesting game because TCU with with uh, Jamie Jamie. Was it Nixon? He he was the former coach at Pittsburgh, and he was there for Jimmy Jamie Dixon. That's his name. He was there at Pittsburgh for a while uh, before he left. Things started going you know downhill, but he really put the pit uh, Pittsburgh Panthers back on 
back on national relevance before he left. It's interesting. Uh, he's at TCU now. It's interesting he would leave Pitt to go to TCU. Yeah. I mean, not that TCU is like a bad program, but. Yeah. But they, they haven't been anything in the Big 12 or the Mountain West Conference before he was even there. Yeah. So that that's going to be an interesting Big 12 SEC matchup there. 3 o'clock, uh, Saturday, January 25th. Yep. Yeah, we go to a couple of basketball games a year. Uh, my family does. Uh, I don't know which games we're going to go to this year. We've gone to Missouri the last two or three seasons. I really want to catch the Tennessee game because the last time Tennessee came to town, both Walton was rabid that, that they, night. Oh, they are playing. That's right. They're playing a two. They're playing Tennessee twice this year. That's right. Yeah, February eventh, and then later in the month on the twenty sixth at Bud Walton. Yeah. So it's on the road and then at home in February. With Tennessee. Yeah, they have Kentucky coming to Bud Walton too. Man, yeah. Man, there's a lot of good good key SEC matchups playing at home this season. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do. Uh, man, I, did you look at the back of the roster, though, uh, yesterday with the Bart, Barnhill Arena right beside the schedule, the record at Barnhill? Mm, no, I didn't. I didn't see that. I know it's – Yeah, no, it's, so, it's, so it's in the bottom right uh, back there where the basketball schedule is, right under Chris yeah. Crutchfield, Corey Williams, and Clay Mosier. Those, those records, the last five years – and then Big O said it on the screen. He said, "Man, I wish we could have that game back uh, when we close the when we shut the lights out in Barnhill to go to to go to Bud Walton. He wished he could have that game back." He mentioned that, but they won seventy percent, seventy six percent of their games at Barnhill, and seventy seventy six percent of them in conference. Just wow. absolutely incredible. And they were they were eight sixteen twenty four eight six yeah. Man, they were really good uh, the last five years. They only lost two games the last five seasons at home in in conference. That's incredible. Their total record at Barnhill, their conference record was two hundred and sixty three or two hundred to two hundred wins to sixty three losses. Uh, so that's <laughs> that's pretty good in conference play. And then uh, your total your total overall record. This is I don't know. Uh, they started in 1958 playing at Barnhill, of course, and they left in '93. Um, in '93, they went uh, nine and two overall, and they finished. Or in '93, they finished nine and two overall at home, and then their overall record at Barnhill was 304 to 94. Incredible! <laughs> that's unreal. <laughs> I, and, I don't know. I can't compare that to anywhere else, but that's got to be that's got to be pretty high. No, no. And then there was they had one. Two, three, four, five, five undefeated seasons at home. That's hard to do. That's so hard to do. And most of those were done during the the uh, days with Nolan. But man, incredible. Yep. Pretty special. Yeah, so, Pretty special yeah. place. Yeah, Spirit of Barnhill. And if you haven't read the article by Andrew Hutchinson yet, uh, you should at Rivals Rivals.com. Andrew Hutchinson wrote about a uh, uh, the spirit of Barnhill and how the uh, band director used to run up and down the aisles during timeouts throughout the game to kind of keep the the buzz going uh, for the Razorbacks at home. I don't know if you remember that. I don't know if Ty, if you went to games oh, yeah. when uh, Robkin was there. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I that, remember. I I've remember heard... how animated they were. They were animated. Um, 
and if I remember right, there would even be like he would run around and then the band would run down with him onto the court and they'd just do yeah. all sorts of wild stuff. Yeah, I went to a lot of games at Barnhill. In fact, those were my uh, my first, you know, of course, I was I was born in 83. And by the time they left, I was in like third grade. But uh, I went to a ton of games. I remember their, their the band was just so animated in the director. I don't yeah. of course, I didn't realize it was the band director at the time. But, you know, looking back yeah. on it, that makes sense. But, yeah, yeah. I, remember, I remember. And he's an elder writer boy. That was crazy to me. I, that uh, it was as the Eldorado boy who idolized the Hogs growing up, yeah. and Eddie Sutton told him, "Hey, this is what I want you to do," and he executed it. <laughs> <laughs> he executed it. Sounds like I mean, combat. Oh my gosh, that was that was fun. <laughs> so staying with but, uh, basketball, do we want to yeah. do we want to talk about the let's see the Jalen Williams stuff? Yeah, let's talk about Jalen Williams. He was he was in attendance yesterday. Mm-hmm. And really, I, from what I've read and understood, Arkansas has a really good chance to land this Fort Smith native top 100 player. And man, he he looks really good. Not just not just in person, but man, he's a heck of a ball player. If you haven't, you need to go down there. Fort Smith Northside is who who he plays for. Incredible talent there. Jalen Williams, six nine, uh, one was it one ninety. Uh, I think they got him at 210, 210, yeah, 215, somewhere in there. He's a good looking prospect. I don't know if he, I don't know if Northside comes, I'm sure they come up to, uh, up here where I'm at, Fayetteville, Springdale area. I want to catch him. I want to catch him play. But yeah, he's on Rivals. He's listed as the number 67 overall player in the country, four star, 6'9, 210 for the class of 2020. He's top 10 in his position. Um, he was recently. Now, you know, 24-7 sports has their crystal ball, and right. Rivals has just a forecast, a, fu- mm-hmm. a future cast, I think is what they call it. Uh, they've got a fan or a fan future cast, and then just a future, a future cast, which is where the, you know, the editors from the site yeah. weigh in, just like the, you know, Danny and Trady over on, crystal, on their crystal ball predictions on 24-7. So Jalen, for the longest time, I don't remember how far back, but Corey Evans had picked Jalen to go to Oklahoma state. That was his, his prediction. He changed that on the fourth on October 4th at one fifty nine PM. Now, Nikki has him going to Arkansas and that's, that's going back to, uh, let's see, January, February, March, April, April 11th earlier this year. But Corey Evans has him now as of the fourth, which was what Friday, yeah. just this last Friday, they have him, uh, Corey has him going to Arkansas. So, that would be nice because he's a little bit taller. You know, he's between that six nine, six ten. He's got a good, he's got a decent frame. He's a baller. I've heard some really good things about him, and we know that that class, like you've mentioned time and time again, like we both have here, that that the state in the in in this class is absolutely loaded down with talent. Loaded, and they, I mean, there's Moses Moody. I know he's at Monte Verde Prep in Florida. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you've got you you gotta hope you can get him. And you have Chris Moore out of West Memphis, and and uh, JJ or KK Robinson out of Bryant. Who else is there that I'm Devontae thinking of? Davis. Devontae Davis. He's a guy that just mm-hmm. decommitted from Oklahoma State. Yep. Uh, he man, Arkansas Arkansas hasn't really been on him until Musk came around, and you know, man, he's really starting to come on, and and you can kind of tell, you know, as far as. As far as recruiting goes, Devontae Davis, as soon as he uh, decommitted, Arkansas had Rondell Walker on their radar for the longest time. 
and then he's already been crystal balled to go to go to Oklahoma State. I'm assuming to take the spot that Devontae Davis just let go of. So there's hope there that yeah. that he will come on. You also have Kyrie Walker too. He he has a I, I think Arkansas has an outside shot at landing him. He's been so up and down in recruitment. And I mean, we talked about it on Thursday's show. Having him would be a big get. I mean, he was the first offer of the Muscleman tenure. So you've got to hope that he's still uh, high on the hog. He's coming October 18th, I think is what you said, right? I think that's right, yeah. I think yeah. it's October 18th. I think he'll be here, yeah. I, I mean, I think I think that's all, that fits Arkansas's uh, – I think that fits Arkansas better because there will be an actual game going on, and, and that weekend Nolan's name is going on the court. So that that's a big deal. Yeah, it would be cool to see him – get that exposure. I, I, I don't know where I'm at with him, him and Moses Moody. I'm both. Uh, I just, I have not felt too good about him. And I think I've talked about that here a couple yeah. times on the podcast, yeah. but we'll, we'll see. I mean, anything could happen. Supposedly he canceled his Florida trip. So, uh, and that was supposed to be an official visit. I don't know the reasoning. I, I don't know what his family or what he said about that. I, so I don't have that information, but he did cancel it regardless. And uh, so Moody, maybe they've got a shot. And then of course, you know, like you said, uh, Walker and and uh, you still got McBride on the table. Yeah. So the yeah. the the roster could look. I mean, let's say you get half these guys, including the recruits. Okay, you've got to remember they're only going to have so many offers or so much room. Uh, they can only move so many guys over. And yeah, they probably will ask someone to to you know leave off scholarship or whatever. But it still probably only leaves you with maybe four to five spots. So. Right. If you get half these guys, man, that's a win. You know, Jalen Williamson, you somehow get somehow get McBride, Moses Moody, Walker, somehow get these guys here and get them ready. 2020 could be a fun year for Arkansas Razorback yes. basketball. And then you got to wonder, because Isaiah Joe, so someone had said, someone here in the local media coming out of the, uh, let's see, coming out of the regular season from last year said, well, he could be uh, – projected in the 20 what 2020 draft mm-hmm. or 20 what draft was it after his sophomore year could leave that was the assumption on Isaiah Joe and yeah. I don't I don't know because every every uh you know there are some there's some numbers out for the draft picks out of this upcoming uh, from this upcoming team from this upcoming class and nobody has Isaiah Joe even like in the first round maybe even the bottom of the second round Maybe that changes when they, you know, in the muscleman system and maybe he gets, you know, he blows up and has a great year. But imagine if Joe sticks around and then you're able to land half these guys. Oh my gosh. Like yeah. <laughs> that 2020, and, 2021 season. Oh, wow. I mean, be on the lookout. Yeah. And don't forget, I mean, you got Jalen Ricks possibly. I mean, he's a, he's a guy right now that says cool on him, but he's out of Sherwood out of Sylvan Hills uh, there's there's also another kid named Nick Smith who's going to be in the 2022 class. They say he could be probably the best player to ever come out of Arkansas. And that's coming yeah. from his AAU coach that played with Joe Johnson. He's friends with Joe Johnson. And and he didn't mind saying Nick Smith could be a big-time baller. Uh, guy, other guys in this 2020 class that we haven't talked about. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Gerald oh, Dokes. Yeah, oh, yeah, Porter. Gerald Dokes, yeah. Sorry, I said I did say Jalen Ricks in the 2020 class. I meant 2021. Uh, yeah, but Gerald Dokes, he's been a guy that's been hot and on and off, on and off, on and off. 
throughout this time. There's so much in there's so much talent in this state that I've never I've never seen it like this before. And it can only benefit Arkansas so much. Yeah. I can't go and, back like I know I've I'm I'm a little bit older than you are. I to be honest with you, I've not kept up with Razorback basketball recruiting like I have with football and I can't go back, but I, I truly cannot remember you know, two years of Arkansas in-state talent and basketball being this good, having yeah. this. It's not a lot of – it's not from head to toe a lot of numbers. It's not like you're pumping out, you know, 10 high, super high-quality players. You've got in 2020, I think you've got like five, yeah. you know, so maybe six. But that's but that, still – like it, that's not very often that that happens. And then next year you've got a, a lot of guys coming in, a lot of higher-tier talented guys playing. Yeah, but it's not like it's – Five, you know, so-so guys. It's five top 100 guys. Yeah, they're all – I think they're all top 100. I think yeah. – well, let's see, one through – Chris Moore is outside. He's 125. Yeah, 125. That's still – that's still <laughs> really good. Like, it might be top-heavy, but holy cow, I'll take yeah, it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got Jalen Ricks, who's a 102 in 2021. Uh, let's see here. Other guys – that could be – I mean, you've already got Duncan Powell, who's uh, number 163. He could go up. I've heard a lot of good things about Duncan Powell, who committed last week to the Razorback basketball team, class of 2021. He was Musselman's first high school uh, commitment. Mm-hmm. So there's not as many guys in the 2021 class, but, there. I mean, Arkansas is still in a lot of good kids in that class too i mean it it could go a long way so after this break uh we're gonna hear a word from the yellow jacket drive in and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit of football because we know that's what you want to hear about too uh it's not football season's not over yet but uh the importance of getting on the right foot this weekend and that's what me and ty are going to talk about right after this break the Yellow Jacket Drive-In is the hub of downtown Shedden, Arkansas. They are the home of the Hubcap Cheeseburgers. They'll give you crinkle-cut french fries that will tease your palates. The tastiest shakes in the state at 100 North Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas. They are family-owned, fast service, and the folks of the Yellow Jacket are ready to see you. Call in your order ahead at 870-942-2486. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So hear me out. It's free. My father-in-law always says, the only thing better than cheap is free. So take advantage of it. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit from your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms out there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to know to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Shelby Taylor Trucking is the leading timber company in the business. If you need your land cleared today, call them at 870-942-7288. Welcome back to the Hawk Talk Podcast, episode number 28. This is your host, Jacob Davis, my co-host, Ty Hudson, uh, being flooded in in Springdale, Arkansas. Man, here we are talking about the Razorback football team as they get ready to head on the road to Lexington, Kentucky, somewhere that the winds are sometimes few and far between. So Ty, we this is this is something it's been burning on my burning in my belly for almost two weeks now after the the close another yet another close loss to the Texas A&M Fighting Aggies. 
Mm-hmm. Here we are. Arkansas is getting healthy. Hopefully, Nick Starkle's ready for the week. Uh, I mean, Kentucky, they're they're almost, I think they're on their third-string quarterback, emergency guy, Lynn Bowden, uh, who's probably going to be a converted wide receiver. Right now, it's, that's who they have uh, in hopes <laughs> because yeah. their, their, their quarterback, second-string quarterback, got hurt uh, last week. So what's going on? I mean, is, is Arkansas ready to take the next step? Well, we've been talking about that for six months now on this podcast. Is Arkansas ready to take the next step in the SEC? And is that by winning their first game in the SEC under Chad Morris? Are they ready, Ty? Do you think Arkansas has a chance in this game? I mean, I think they have a chance in a lot of games left this year. You know, and again, like we've said time and time again, I feel like we're a broken record, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily the, the, the talent on the field. It's the guys on the sidelines. It's, it's the guys calling the plays and signaling the signal in the next plays. It's those guys. It's, it's the, everywhere from the quarterback or excuse me, the, 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 OC to the head coach, to the DC, to the position coaches. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in them. I think the talent on the field is the best that it's been in probably three years. And it's only going to get better. I mean, they really are. I still think this this class, this 2020 class, will still end up being respectable. I don't I don't know. You know, obviously, we're going to talk about French uh, a little bit. I don't, I don't know if we have that planned coming up or not. But if, if you can keep French and, and uh, all the talent they have in this class and then add a few more guys like Garrett Hayes and and so on and so forth, could have another great class. And then going into next year, you've got some, some more talent on the field. But I still – I've just not – I don't have a whole lot of confidence in this in this staff. So I think Kentucky, Mississippi State, uh, Mizzou. I don't know if we have the latest on Kelly Bryant. I know that he got banged up. A uh, really gruesome. cheap shot from a Troy player. That was such a just ridiculous call um, or a ridiculous play by that uh, by that Troy defensive player going at his leg like that. That was ridiculous. But um, if you ask me, he probably should be ejected for the next game or suspended for the next game. But, um, yeah, I, I think you've got a shot at, at those games I mentioned. You know, you wonder, can they surprise somebody and, and maybe beat one of them? I think that's absolutely possible. And I think if, of the games that are left, of the conference games that are left, it's your most winnable game despite the fact that it's on the road at Kentucky. And if you want my opinion, I know Mississippi State coming into Faytown is nice and, and Mississippi State hasn't exactly – blown any doors off any hinges or anything but um i still i like their chances against kentucky like you said they're down to their you know they're down to their water boy playing quarterback and you know they've got some other issues on the offensive side of the ball i i, I do think they have a shot yeah. will they no right now i've got them i've got them losing this one and as of right now i've i've got them finishing the year out at, at uh, with only three wins so i don't know maybe you're on a different level there than i am maybe you've had a whole this bye week has changed your mind, but it hasn't me. I want to actually see it. I want to actually see them bounce back off a of bye week and uh, and put a better product on the field. Well, I haven't been drinking the jungle juice either, Ty. I mean, <laughs> I mean you have to – There, I just – I still don't see it right now. I mean, your quarterback suspect, if he can keep the turnovers down, and if Arkansas can just put the points on the board on offense and keep drives going – while still scoring defensive touchdowns, I think Arkansas has a chance to 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 win some ball games. I mean, they're they're uh, I don't know after this week where they're at still on defensive touchdowns, but 
As far as after the Texas A&M game, they were first in fumble recoveries for a touchdown and second in the nation in total defensive touchdowns uh, this season. I mean, so I mean, Arkansas has that going for them, but yet they still are not winning ball games. They they any time a team has scored over thirty one points in a game against them, besides the Colorado State game, they've lost them. Arkansas has to score more than 30, 31 points uh, to to apparently beat any team. So they've only done it once. It's very so. defensively. It's it's just a bend don't break defense. And I think I think Chief knows yeah. this. Look, I know he's caught a lot of heat, yes. and I do believe deservedly so. But yeah. you can tell he knows that the talent on the field is still not there. You've got a lot of freshmen, and I know I could just hear the people typing to us on Twitter right now. They're young. Leave them alone. <laughs> but anyways, besides that point, I think Chief knows that. And that's why you're seeing him. I think that's why you're seeing, and I know it's kind of in his DNA, but the blitzing, the the the, uh, he's not even trying to hide it. You know it's coming. And yeah. he knows he's got a bend don't break. He knows that the defense is going to give up chunk chunks of yards. Although that performance against San Jose State was just putrid. The fact that they were able to move the ball down the field with such ease is just mind boggling to me. But uh, you know, freshmen on the field or not, that's ridiculous. But uh, I think that's why you're seeing those the blitzes are finally working this year. They they may not mm-hmm. always be sacking the quarterback, but they're pressuring and they're forcing these just mistakes yeah. by the offense, and therefore the defense. Yeah is making up for that lack of talent that they uh, that they don't have, and they're able to actually apply pressure, you know, and, and force fumbles and interceptions, and and that's good. At least at least we're we're there on a base level. We understand that that they're able to take the ball away and yeah. do something with it. As far as the defense, now the offense responding off of a takeaway is another story. You know, being able to yeah. benefit, but. I would rather be a bend don't break defense with a little bit of sack potential. Then be a bend don't break defense, and you just don't do anything but break. Oh, like last year. Yeah, or the, <laughs> I mean, whether it's 2018 or 17 or 16 or 15. Yeah. Those defenses, my gosh, I could, you couldn't bear to watch them. I mean, Brandon Allen basically had to outscore teams, so so his, his so the Razorbacks would have a chance in 2015. Their right. defense was that bad. And since then, Arkansas hasn't had a quarterback that could do that. Besides, I mean, Austin Allen, his first eight games of his of his junior season, that's been the only time you know that Arkansas has had the opportunity to outscore teams yeah. because their defense is just putrid. And the defense, I can I can understand giving up chunk plays as long as you're getting to the quarterback and stopping guys at the right time in crucial parts of the game. And Against A&M, yeah, Arkansas did well. But how many times have we seen Arkansas do well against A&M and it amount to nothing? Yeah. I mean, I said that in our, our, our last week's podcast. I'm tired of us playing close to A&M, but it not meaning crap when it comes uh, going forward the rest of the season. Yeah. And right now, I don't have Arkansas winning the, the game on Saturday because they have to prove me. They have to prove to me that they are going to be ready to take the next step. And I kind of I kind of see it as as when Arkansas in 2015 they were playing Tennessee on the road and Arkansas was sitting at 1 and 3 or something like that at that point in the season and Arkansas goes on the road and beats Kentucky even though Arkansas gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown the first play of the ball game and Arkansas pretty much controlled the game after that and kept the 100,000 fans that were inside of Neyland Stadium quiet. 
I think that's what Arkansas is going to have to do to to get a victory. I mean, it's two teams that are completely hungry, completely ready to to take the next step uh, forward in the rebuild of the program. And I think that's what Arkansas is going to have to do is they're going to have to prove to me that, hey, we're ready. We're proving ourselves. This team is – if you're going to say the the culture of this team is different, you're going to have to prove it on the field. Yeah. No more – No more. Uh, this is what I'm saying. It's This isn't what I'm just telling you. You have to go out and prove it. Yeah. We, uh, we haven't seen it yet. We've not seen them really – respond coming out of a bye week we didn't see it last year um we've not really seen them there's no consistency with this team and uh you know you could understand that to some degree if it was like you're playing a&m and then you're turning around and playing auburn or you're turning around and going on the road against alabama or you're on the road against lsu you could understand there being a struggle for consistency but you go back to last year how that (laughs) was first well the entire season just how it was and then you look at this year you you know, you, you drop an egg against Mississippi, and you turn around, and, and uh, for three quarters, you look pretty crappy, and then you're able to put a fourth quarter together and, and made some great plays and ended up winning that one 55-34. to 34. And, and honestly, I think at that point, we all thought, oh, my God, they actually have a shot at winning back-to-back games and getting set up for A&M. And then they lay an egg against San Jose State. They, they lose that one 31-24. And then guess what? They turn around against A&M as per usual. They give them a good game and lose just barely, 31-27. to 27. So they're inconsistent, and, and like you and I both said already, let's, let's see them let's see them respond yeah. coming out of a bye week. Kentucky's also got a bye week, as we've mentioned before, so, and it's on the road, and I get it. There's, some, there's, some, there's going to be some tough battles here. Kentucky, Kentucky's still a pretty decent defensive football team. Um, but I will say this, again, it is their most winnable conference game left so far that I can see. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, ESPN's football power index, is it continues to drop on Kentucky's yeah. win ratio. It went from, I think it was 84%. It's dropped down to 80%, and Arkansas sitting at, uh, obviously, at, at uh, 19.8 to their 80.2. So, apparently, someone at ESPN, who, who uh, or I guess it's their, their ESPN – artificial intelligence starting to see that maybe Arkansas has got more than just a 15% chance of winning this <laughs> ball game, but it's, it's going to take, uh, like you said, it's, it, they're going to have to outscore Kentucky, which is sad to say, cause they're not exactly, I mean, these guys average what 20, 20, they're two, bad. 22 they're points. Bad. They a bad. Game. Yeah. They won, they won 10 games last year and they're a bad on offense. So, I mean, what are they going to do this year? I mean, I mean, Arkansas, I mean, you can say, Oh, they ran into the juggernaut San Jose State Spartans and and let thirty one points lay on the field. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, what what's Kentucky going to do to Arkansas, who has a putrid offense as well, one that hasn't showed up in in a couple of years, maybe yeah. seven or eight. Just like, I mean, it, it's it, what are we going to see on Saturday? Is what I want to know. So, mm-hmm. and we're uh, going to do a more extensive breakdown on yeah. this matchup on Thursday. But I will say. Uh, just looking at it on paper, Kentucky uh, pulled up their yards. Their yards allowed per game is right behind Arkansas. Arkansas really? is at 396. Yep, yards per game allowed. They're at 395. And they well, last points. season Arkansas gave up 450 last year, so that's an improvement. That's very true. I mean, that's you're talking. You're, I mean, that's 50 yard difference right there. 50 plus yards. Uh, but their passing yards allowed. They're at 224. But these guys give up. 
171 yards per game on the ground. Um, that's not very good. That's way worse than Arkansas. Well, I say way worse. That's 30, 30 yards more allowed on the ground uh, for Kentucky on defense. Again, we're going to go in more into more detail on this matchup on on Thursday's recording, which will be Friday's show. But just yeah. really quick, if you go back and look at their matchups, it's not like they've played an incredibly tough schedule. Toledo, uh, I guess it's either I guess it's Eastern Michigan, and then they played Florida at home. Uh, then they played Mississippi State on the road and at South Carolina. Okay, Mississippi State and South Carolina are probably two bottom dwellers just like Arkansas. I'm going to say that they're probably in a better place than Arkansas is right now, but they're not exactly beasts of the SEC West or SEC East. So yeah. you compare that to who Arkansas's played, they're probably about even. So, it's again, it's not as if they've been playing offensive juggernauts. You know, Florida's yeah. not really even an offensive juggernaut. So, again, this is your most – likely or your most winnable game that you have left outside of Western Kentucky on your schedule, in my opinion. So I hope Rakeem Boyd listened to this podcast and heard how many (laughs) yards Kentucky gives up because he could be having another 100-yard rushing performance Saturday. Did you know he's second? He's second in the league in rushing yards. Yeah, yeah. He's the uh, only game that really he did not do well in was against Ole Miss, and he still had like 80-something yards. Total offense, right? Yeah, yeah. Or no, not total offense. He has 483 yards rushing uh, through five games. So, not bad. Not bad. No, not bad at all. That's almost 100 yards per game. So that, that's that's really good. I mean, it shows the uh, at least the offensive line's getting a little bit of push, right? Mm, something's going on. I do think the offensive line is better than where they're at last year. I think the defense yeah. is better than where they're at last year. It's still not great. Well, yeah. it's not anywhere near great, and it's. You know, but it's it's at least some level of improvement. Yeah. And this is the thing: when we look back on the year, I think they go three and nine. Their ceiling might possibly be five wins this year. But we're going to look back on the year, and you have to crunch the numbers. You have to look at the set of circumstances, and you've also got to look at the numbers and and kind of compare them to to, to 2018 and 2019 and see yeah. what improvements have happened. And I think we will look back and go, okay, well, they were better on offense. They were better. You know, their pass blocking was better. We had more total yards of offense from the line of scrimmage. Defense, we already know how well they're doing as far as takeaways and being able to score on defense, yeah. you know. So there are improvements. I know people think yeah. that we're really negative. We've been accused of being pretty negative here, and I think we're just calling it like it is. But Arkansas, there, there are signs of improvement so far this year we'll see if it buckles or we'll see if they somehow manufacture a win against somebody they're not supposed to beat maybe it happens now if arkansas hadn't lost to san jose state this this wouldn't even be a question you know i think arkansas this this year this offense and this team looks more like the bobby petrino year of 2008 his first year i think the i think the whole change of philosophies and and the lack of talent. I think there was less talent on this team than there was from the nut to Petrino era. Uh, and I think there was a lot of, t- I think Petrino left a lot more talent for Bielema than what Bielema left for Morris. I mean, it, it's all, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty and all, but you know, I, I think that right now at this pace, Arkansas's kind of, you know, I think, I think they're looking more like the Petrino 2018. I, I wish, I, I wish, so. I wish Morris. If Morris would have started his career at Arkansas right now, uh, this season, things would be looking a lot further up. You know. Yeah, I, I, I don't think. Again, and and 
we'll have this discussion at the end of the year, and hopefully we're going to be talking about how much more they improve throughout the year. But you, when you look at some of these other year one coaches who are winning, you know, yeah. uh, you look at Texas Tech. I mean, that's year one head coach, and they just beat number 21 Oklahoma State. Yeah. They're three and two, and their only losses, they did get blown out to Oklahoma, but they're, Oklahoma. I mean, my God, they'd probably blow out, you know, 70% of the SEC. Uh, but Arizona, on the road, they lost. Okay, I'll give you that. They probably will yeah. you know. But against Oklahoma State, they won. They've got a ranked Baylor they're going to play next week, and they're winning. I mean, this is a year one coach at Texas yeah. Tech. You know, and then you look at some of the other year one and year two coaches around 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 the league, around uh, college football. There, there doesn't seem like they're as bad off as Arkansas is, and that's what's concerning. And and I know the I don't I don't want to call them sunshine pumpers, but the people who don't like it when we talk negative about Chad Morris, I don't know how they look at that and go, oh, but we're okay. You know, no. different set of circumstances. Okay. I, yeah. I, and maybe that's true. Maybe it is a different set of circumstances. And, and it is yeah. the SEC, but my God, they've lost to Colorado State yeah. last year. They lost to North Texas. San Jose State at home. It's just uh, uncalled for. I don't know. Yeah. I, I hope that he gets his turnaround. I will say yeah. there is improvement on the year. We've seen that in the numbers, and the recruiting is just through the charts. So there is there is, uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is, uh, there is something there. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's right. – Maybe they do get more wins eventually minutes. down the road. I just hope that it doesn't but, take five years to get there, and I don't think yeah. that it should. But, I mean, going back to to being okay with things, do you think Baylor fans were okay with Matt Rule going 0-12 his first season after the Bart Riles tenure? Mm-hmm. No. What they do year no. two? They went 6-6. Six and six. And That's now here they are ranked in year three. Yeah. So, I mean, people were ready to get Matt Rule out but he had a good recruiting class and continued to build into year two. Now he's into year three with things are still, I mean, yeah, it's Baylor big 12 football, but still you had to have, have some pretty good improvement and pretty good job. So, so Baylor's looking good right now. And you have SMU. I mean, Chad Morris guys, I mean, his main wide receiver recruit from a couple of classes ago, got the game winning touchdown on a nice grab. Last night, three uh, three overtimes. That was really impressive, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's 11 players that are starting on this team that weren't Chad Morris recruits. They were basically graduate transfers and stuff. And Shane Buchel at quarterback, that team looks really good. I mean, Chad Morris, he's he's kind of built a little bit there at SMU. He's he, But, I mean, that's the thing, though, is Chad Morris, he's a program builder. And then leaves and uh, the the uh, plate full there for the next uh, next coach to eat off of and 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 do and reap reap what he what the former coach has sown, or is Chad ready to take the next level? And I think that's what we're. I think that's a lot of fans that are being negative are wanting to see. Can Chad Morris figure out how to have successful and keep it sustained? And he didn't necessarily take over a pretty good program at SMU. His first year, they were one oh, and eleven the year before he got there. So and they didn't have tight didn't. ends. They didn't have no. the guys that work in his like the kind of system that he wanted to impro- uh, to to build at SMU. And I yeah. get that, but um, it's just uh, I don't know. It's disappointing to see other programs yeah. one two year two years yeah. in and they're and the success they're having is off the charts yeah. compared to what they normally have. And then you have Arkansas. Yes, they play in the SEC, but they can't even get over the hump of beating teams like San Jose State. I'll agree yeah. that 
I'll agree that they had a talent issue, but you had I think they had better talent than to go two and ten last year on the field. I think they had better talent. Yeah. I mean they uh, had better so, talent than to lose to San Jose State. This year they do, absolutely. There's no excuse for that. Yeah. So again, Maybe there's light at the end of the tunnel. I think that they'll at least be better. And you asked the you asked a really good question: Is he a program builder? So does that make him the in between guy? Which is what I think he is. You know, I, I believe he's the in between guy. I think he's setting up. He's building a wonderful foundation, like what Mike Anderson did with the basketball program. Yeah, I think that's what Chad Morris is doing for the football program. And the next guy is going to have the opportunity to come in and maybe do something with what he's been able to build, as far as you know, the overall. Uh, talent on the roster and on the depth chart so and maybe i'm wrong maybe chad is the guy hey maybe you guys that are getting on to us are right maybe chad is the guy we got to give him i hope they're right i hope they're right (laughs) i just don't hope i I also don't hope it takes 15 years yeah i don't think it will one way or another i think they will be better no matter who the coach is i think they'll be at least i don't know what you consider to be respectable but i think they'll be respectable or competitive and be able to go toe-to-toe with with better teams in the next couple of years. It's just the process is long. It's difficult. You see these other coaches having immediate success. It kind of gets you scratching your head a little bit at other programs. But, again, when you when you look at the talent, it is, it is from top to bottom, guys. This is the best roster Arkansas has had in probably three or four years. Yeah. So you, he's I've got that wondering. going for him. I've been wondering when you were going to say – the whole is Chad Morris the in between guy. You've been hitting around like that since before we started our podcast. I was wondering I, if you were ever going to get to state uh, if you were ever going to state that. <laughs> I think I've said it, uh, you know, because I do. God, I do like four live shows a week with our Facebook halftime yeah. show, and then my stuff. So I forget what I say and where I say it. But yeah. I think I've said it on the Pictrail Network. I think I have yeah. over there. Yeah. But hey, if not, yeah. you heard it here first. I, you know, Ty believes that Chad Morris is the in between guy. I don't think that's exactly groundbreaking opinions there, but no. that's where I'm at with it. But again, yeah. I hope I'm wrong. If it, there's no one that wants to be more wrong about that than me, I mean, really, I am a hog fan, but I try to, you know, like our, like yeah. people have said in our who've left reviews behind, we tell it like it is. I'm not going to give you a biased. I'm not going to sit yeah. here and just sunshine pump. I'm going to give you my true opinion. And, right. and you do too. And Peck, when he's on our producer, he does as well. So, Well, he doesn't have a fan's perspective either. He's a guy that just tells it like it is because he, is no, he has no bias. He's a Clemson guy. That's very true. Yeah. But uh, last thing, Martavius French, mm. where do you feel he is in his recruitment? Do you think after a, an official visit to Tennessee where Tennessee actually – Looked pretty good for about two or th- two and a half quarters there. <laughs> yeah, I thought Tennessee had a chance to to really steal one at home. Do you think Tennessee has done enough, even by offering to Marion McDonald, for Ar- for Arkansas to lose French? Only French and his family know the answer to that. I think. Um, yeah, I'll say this: there were a lot of people, and I noticed that in our Discord, a lot of people were like, "Well, Tennessee didn't look very good against Georgia. I think that favors Arkansas." Look, he didn't go to that game expecting Tennessee to put up a game against Georgia. That's not no. what they were there for. They were there to see if this thing meshed well and uh, to see if they would throw McDonald. Now, I think they have an offer out to him, and they have. I don't think it's been committable. Um, but if they offer McDonald, give him a committable offer, and they show that they're serious with him, I absolutely think that he's um, – I'll just say yeah. this. I, I wouldn't put money – as of right now on him signing with Arkansas, but that doesn't mean 
how much money I would put down on that bet. You know, I, I, I don't think it bodes great. It doesn't bode very well that he took he took uh, Arkansas commit out of his Twitter bio, and apparently for people that are that are under the age of thirty, that's a big deal. <laughs> yes, yes. So, well, you're thirty seven. Um, you 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 don't think it's you you think it's a big deal. So I do. I mean, just based on the history of following recruiting on Twitter, it's never a good thing seeing a kid who has a Razorback profile, a Razorback Twitter header, you know, the banner yeah. and a Razorback yeah. logo. And to take that all down and to take out of your bio, yeah. remember, you've got to go in and edit that out. That's just not something that just disappears on its own yeah. for a kid to do that. That is a big deal based on the history that I've seen that happen before. It doesn't bode well, but it also doesn't mean that he's 100% gone either, but yeah. Like you and I have discussed a million times, the linebacker depth and the talent at that position has some real questions moving forward after Scoot has gone. Oh. Bumper will be back, and I like. I think I still th- I thought we'd see Zach Zymos this year. I think I'm going to be wrong on that. I don't know that he sees the field at all this year, other than special teams. Um, but again, there's a lot of questions at that position. They just cannot afford to yeah. lose those guys. Three, four weeks ago, I would have told you, yeah, it's any moment that Eason's going to commit to Arkansas. Something's changed. And I guess that's something to do with McDonald. And all three of those guys were on a visit. And uh, he still said, apparently he had told the media that Arkansas still his favorite. But it sounds yeah. to me like it's his recruitment has gone from a hard commit to Arkansas to probably being a little bit more open. Yeah. Tennessee's been whispering sweet nothings in his ear. Or something. Like. <laughs> <laughs> or something. I don't know what. Yeah. And people that are – people – text me time to time and somebody said to me the other day well you know we'll just find somebody else i mean it's not like french is that good look if you lose french and you lose eason those are two top 10 linebackers you don't just replace those guys it's like i was telling you before the show arkansas i mean it's it's big enough to get one top 10 linebacker it's another thing to get two in one class you just don't do that at arkansas they're going to be hard to and, replace. And I can't ever yes. remember a time where they had – I mean, they've got outside of French, and, of course, Easton hasn't committed yet. They do still have Deshaun Stewart, who apparently is vastly underrated, I've been told. Uh, they do still have Cottrell Wallace. We know our boy Otis Kirk and, and Richard Davenport are all over Cottrell. They think he's going to be a, a yes. beast. So they do have yes. other linebackers. you got Drew Francis, but they're – I hate to say it, but there's a reason why we have a star system. Yeah, it's not always 100% right. Yeah. There's a reason why these guys who run these websites, they do all sorts of numbers and analytics, and these kids go to these camps, and they, they record their times, and they, they look at their athleticism. They watch a ton of film. There's a reason why they think guys like French and Easton are special. And I'm going to tell you, they're not going to be able to just simply replace these guys with two other freshmen or two other uh, four-star athletes to other four-star linebackers it's just not that easy at a place like arkansas now if this were the wide receiver position with chad morris i would say yeah no they might they yeah they definitely have some other guys waiting but they don't at linebacker so it'd be a a potentially in my opinion uh, a pretty big blow to this recruiting class and that's on chavis though because he lost lakia henry he lost aaron moore on national signing day And this year it falls on Chavis because that's his position that he recruits, that he specializes in, that he has had put his bread and butter on for his whole career from Tennessee to LSU to A&M to Arkansas. That's his position group. Mark Smith's out there getting ball and defensive backs to commit. 
Justin Stepp in, at, at wide receivers coach is getting some really dadgum good ball and wide receivers. Arkansas is getting good quarterbacks. The running backs, uh, it's been iffy so far besides Rakeem Boyd, and he was a JUCO transfer. And you haven't seen much out of Amante Spivey, who they think is a pretty good running back. And you got Traylon Smith, the uh, transfer from from Arizona State, who won't be ready until next year, and who who we've heard reports that he's done really well in practice too. Who's I mean, but defensive line's been pretty good under Steve Caldwell. And the two positions that's really been iffy are running backs and linebackers. And I think linebackers is the number one priority for this class because they only signed one last year. Yeah, yeah, and and so, like we said, the I'm, depth is bad there, and they, yeah, they, uh, the belief is, and it's interesting hearing guys break down the linebacker position moving forward into the future that teams are starting to go away from these like six two, six three, two fifty inside linebackers, and they're transitioning more to like these more athletic. Six foot, 190 pound, 200 pound guys, and I'm like, they're they're talking about that. And then you look at around the, the rest of the SEC, and nobody's doing that. They have these six two, six three, 245 pound middle linebackers, and even their outside linebackers are long, lengthy, they're athletic. That's what you got to have at these positions. Arkansas didn't have it. They don't have the talent at the position. And again, this is like you said, and you, you hit the nail on the head. Again, you did. That this is this is a position that Chavis should be nailing down. They shouldn't be losing these the, the the caliber of talent that they're losing at year in and year out. And this isn't all on Chavis. I get it. This is going back all the way to the Houston Nut era. How difficult it is to stack up, you know, uh, these six two six three two forty four star super athletes at linebacker. It's hard to do. It's it's what separates the the the, the Alabamas and the LSU's from the. Mississippi State's and the Ole Misses and Arkansas's of the world being able to stack up that kind of talent at that position, along with other yeah. positions. But uh, it's a it's a blow. Again, he hasn't decommitted yet from out of Whitehaven. Yeah. He hasn't decommitted from Arkansas yet. We'll wait and see. But right now, it's it's not looking too good. No, and I mean there is always a chance that Arkansas does offer to Mary McDonald. We've talked about yes, he's young, has has some character issues. But you just hope you find get him a good mentor, get him into a good church, and and get him up here in Fayetteville to marry a McDonald, and 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 see if you can get him to change a little bit. Get church, get him boy. Some Jesus City, yeah, get church, get you, man. Get you some Jesus. And, and it's not like Memphis. It's not like Memphis isn't a isn't a uh, Jesusless uh, <laughs> community. You know, they're they're pretty religious over there, off the Mississippi. You know, but you know. Get you know Arkansas needs to offer and get him a committable offer and let all three of them play together. I yeah. think that's really what's holding them holding Eason back because yeah. uh, Eason. I think I think French from I saw an excerpt from the article and I don't know where the article was from and I'm going to mention it anyways. But he, I mean it was some kind of junk that said French said he wanted to, him and Eason and McDonald to play all together. Whether that's true or not, whether it was forged or not. You know, you, you want to see, you, you hope to see that. You do whatever it takes. I mean, it's not like Arkansas didn't offer three uh, three from the same school last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and they've had a reputation of doing that, this staff has. They've done a – this, this staff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this, yeah. They've done a really good job. But to be fair to these kids, and again, we're not trying to pick on – we're not trying to pick on McDonald. He does supposedly have no, some off-the-field oh, issues. We hope that he's, you know, we hope everything's 
okay in, in his family and personal life and, and as well with all these kids, you know, and uh, let's just hope that those are all just nonsense rumors, which a lot of times they are. But uh, for whatever reason, Arkansas hasn't given him a full committable offer, and maybe, like you said, maybe they change that. Yeah. And if you lose them, you lose them. It happens. It's recruiting. You just hate to lose them, mm-hmm. especially some big-time talent. So so I think that'll do it for this episode of the Hog Talk Podcast, episode number 28. This is your co-host, Jacob Davis. My other co-host is Brindale, Arkansas, Ty Hudson. Ty, you got anything left to say to the guys? Any stats or any any kind of cool things to say to our <laughs> fans of the Hog Talk? Uh, No. Um, I do. Like we said, we're going to have our Thursday show. So we're going to record, well, sorry, Friday. We record on Thursday. So if you guys have any questions, uh, feel free to ask whether that's through Discord. Oh, by the way, someone did ask. We'd reached out to Discord. Uh, David Dixon wanted to know if there are any updates on the health of Nick Starkle and Knox. Starkle is good to go, and I believe Trey Knox is as well. I believe he's been participating off and on in practice. I don't know if you've heard different there, Jacob. Yeah. No, I haven't. That's what I've heard from you Okay. So Getting David, those guys thank, really healthy. Thanks a lot, David, over on Discord for asking that, for asking the question. Sorry we got to it so late. Uh, but other than that, I think that's all I got, Jacob. Yeah, if you want to get a, an invite on Discord, all you have to do is click the link. Uh, it's somewhere in our Facebook stream. We'll get that up uh, Monday morning and let you guys uh, get in there. It's just basically a group chat, kind of like a, a message board, perhaps. So, uh You'll make you a profile, and it takes like five seconds to get you started. Uh, also, make sure you subscribe. You and, and subscribe. Leave us a review. Maybe a little bit of star power in there too. Uh, maybe a five star rating if you're feeling lucky or not. But uh, yeah, give us a shout and uh, share us on in, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, uh, whatever other social media platform you have out there. You can also listen to us besides on Anchor. You can hear us on iTunes. You can hear us on Stitcher. You can hear us on on uh, what are those things called? What kind of what kind of uh, cell phone is it other opposite of i iPhones? I have no idea. Android, Android. Oh, you're talking yeah. about the software. It's, okay, I thought you were talking yeah. about the app. No, no, Android. You oh. can also hear it on Android, which Android stink anyway. But <laughs> you God, better watch it. I made some mad who, the other day. Who so. has those? <laughs> Apple all but the way. Anyways. Sorry, sorry guys. Sorry. No, we we do not endorse Apple here. Sorry. <laughs> but no. this is this has been episode number 28 of the Hog Talk podcast. You guys have a good day. You listening here on Monday. Have a great Monday. Have a great week and we will talk to you on Friday. Holla at you boy, Woo Pig. Here comes the Here comes the TMK Properties is a premier real estate agency for folks looking to move into Sheridan and the surrounding area of Grant County, Arkansas. Tony and Mary Kay Palmer with their elite real estate agents, are equipped and ready to make your search for the dream home go smoothly as possible. Schedule an appointment with them today at 870-942-0800. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.